Hello, friends, and welcome to the Open Doors podcast. Today is March 28th, and it is snowy outside here in Pittsburgh. And uh, yesterday was Sunday the 27th. We heard a, a sermon from my co-pastor, Reverend Cheryl Kellep, that you are about to hear uh, right here. Um, we are in the midst of a series about God bringing life to things that our world might call waste or garbage or just a waste of time. Um, so we're going to hear her message on that. Uh, it's a good one. So find a cup of coffee, a place to chill out or go for a walk and listen in on this sermon from Ezekiel and the Gospel of John. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and to say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to that, to the breath, prophesy mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you back up from your graves, O my people and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Our second reading comes from John 11, 17 through 35. I'll say before I go into the reading, before uh, this passage, there's this weird, um, not weird, different com a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. 
where he's deciding to go to um, back to see his friend Lazarus. And the disciples are um, concerned that he is putting his life at risk, um, which we know he ultimately does. And, um, but there's also this subtle reminder that he was close by all the time, that there was, it was only a two hour walk from where he was. So why didn't he show up earlier? Um, let us read the scripture with, with hope and expectation. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in, in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha and Mary met. Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the, Jew, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said to them, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. This is the word of the Lord. Most days, I delude myself into thinking that I am more emotionally mature than my children. I think this because I have bought into the lie that emotional maturity is just not being vocal about things. That we as grown adults, we remain even keeled and we don't show those parts of us that are hurting. So while I too, yes, would like to throw my body on the ground because I'm both hungry and tired, I don't. We, uh, we don't. Instead, we use sarcasm as our shield or cutting remarks as our armor. But is that really what emotional maturity is? So why did Jesus 
Why didn't Jesus argue back, fight back when Mary confronted him? Why didn't Jesus make an awkward, off-color joke when faced with the pain of his friends? Why did he cry? I remember when my grandmother uh, passed away and I had to tell my four-year-old, and she was now at an age where she um, could cognitively understand it. And we told her and said that uh, great Nana's gone. And we talked about the things we're going to miss, the ways this is hard, the ways this hurts. And me, my husband, and her cried. And through the tears, she suddenly said, can we just stop crying already and go watch some TV? <laughs> And I just thought, oh, man, do I know that feeling of feeling things that are hard and wanting to run away, wanting to shield, wanting to uh, put armor up to fix it. Being sad is uncomfortable and it's hard labor. I think that's why our generation is one of the most addicted and in-debt generations of all time. Not necessarily because we're the saddest, it's because we have more tools at our disposal to, to ignore and suppress the hurt. We run away, we fix or ignore it with shopping, drinking, eating, or hide behind online personas. Yet God led Ezekiel to the center of those dry bones. He made him look. He made him see. And Jesus saw, was grieved, and wept. In both stories, there's a standing in the pain that's uncomfortable. Re reflecting on this has helped me see the ways many of us perceive the act of grieving as a waste. Grieving takes time. Grieving takes space and energy. Grieving seemingly doesn't produce anything. So what's the point? Sad, painful emotions feel like things we should rid ourselves with, like the junk in the back of our closet. Why would a savior that knows, that knows he has the capacity to resurrect the dead, to redeem, to change things, why? Why would he waste time and energy on grieving? Perhaps Jesus chose to grieve and Ezekiel uh, was led to that valley of dry bones because it was authentic, it was honest and true. We can't live in the land of rainbows and sunshine all the time. Life is both a mixture of what feels hard and what feels light, what is good and bad in the pain and in the joy. There's not one singularly good or bad experience. These things, this passage represents what most of life feels like. This um, this strange mixture of heart, what is hard and broken and right next door to what is magnificent and joyful. There's death, dryness, and decay right next door to redemption and resurrection. They exist together and cannot be separated. 
So for, for Ezekiel to be present in the valley and for Jesus to mourn is to show up and be honest with what is here and now and true. For in Christ, there is truth and life. The naming and recognizing the truth is not a waste. But yet maybe there's more. There's more to why Jesus weeps. Maybe it's his very character as the incarnate God, the one who is God yet comes in human form. Jesus saw his friends, Mary and Martha, in distress. He heard their pain as both God and human. Jesus felt empathy. In the face of death, Jesus was a presence to those who are suffering. Jesus heard Mary's frustration along with Martha's faith. And he didn't, um, he didn't accept Martha and cast out Mary. He heard both, was present with both. God is present in our fear and uncertainty, in our pain, in our worry, in our grief, and in our fear. The love of God is so bold that Jesus is disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. In the face of grief, as your pastor, I will tell you, and maybe is also a bad Presbyterian, I will tell you, your grief is not part of some preordained plan. It will not necessarily work out the way we expect. But I will tell you, with honesty and clarity and with every molecule of my body, God is present, even in this, even now. While we might think our pain and feeling are wasteful, our Savior chooses to carry it with us. While we may loathe the time and energy we give to the tears, our Savior cries with us. And while we might think that we ourselves are waste or trash, there is one who comes in love, chooses to love all of us, even the pain we hide from. Certainly Jesus mourns and Ezekiel enters the dry bones because it is the truth, because Jesus chooses love and radical solidarity, but I think there is more. I wouldn't be here if there wasn't more, and I don't think you would either. Most of us know that the fertile soil at the, at the farm or in our garden doesn't just appear out of nothing. It comes from death and decay, from the compost we're collecting each week that you leave here. Now you could put your food scraps, as I often do, unfortunately, into a black garbage bag that's then carried off to a landfill that doesn't see light or redemption or hope for generations. Or we could put it in a compost pile that sees light and breath and movement and new hope. And it's from there, from that very thing that was decay, that new life is found. You see, you could lock up, seal up, hide away all that hurts, or you could let light, God's breath, 
and movement, so new redemption. For indeed, we worship a God who acts. You see, God is not done yet with the bones. God's not done with Lazarus. God is not giving up on each and every one of us. God will not let this broken spirits die because in God, death does not have the last word. God will act. God will bring righteousness and justice to those who have been forsaken and mistreated by the powerful in the world. God will not let evil have the last word to God's people. God will breathe life into everyone because God has the power to do so. But at the same time, God wants us to breathe life into God's people, as Ezekiel did. We believe in a truth-telling God. We believe in a God that chooses radical solidarity, but we also believe a God that shows up and acts. So we are called to speak hope. Restoration, redemption are made real through the acts of God. For Ezekiel's vision of the dry bones was that, a vision. Those bones didn't truly walk. And it took 70 years for the people of Israel to return home. And even then, they had a massive rebuilding effort. Jesus did rise Lazarus from the dead. As a chaplain I once worked with said, we all die, but Lazarus just did it twice. But it, 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 um, he did rise that day, Lazarus to life, but it was that act, it was that moment that the, the religious authority had enough with this Jesus character and, and committed to putting him to death because he had broken too many rules. What, what Jesus did at Lazarus' tomb led to his own death, to more death, to more pain. Yet I ask you, do you think it was a waste? Friends, God calls us to make time, to enter into the hard feelings. It might feel wasteful, but it is true and right. You might even feel dry within your own soul and heart, but God can even still use, breathe life into you, into this world. Stop hiding. Stop wrapping things up in black plastic bags that we think are ugly, unlovable, and unworthy of God's redemption. For, re for friends, redemption can and will come. What Jesus did at the shadow of that tomb and the words that Ezekiel spoke to the bones are what we are called to do for one another, to shoulder each other's pain. None of us are given a road back or a manual or a book, but there is one thing we can do. We can show up for one another today. Speak truth and hope. Hear the hurt, 
hear the disappointment, hear the fear, hear the worry. God calls each and every one of us to witness that there are indeed dry bones in the world. And there is the stench of death. Yet we breathe words of hope to those bones and to that life. When we see the pain and suffering of others' experience, we need to speak up with words of truth, words of comfort, and words of hope. When we see that there's a lack of compassion and respect shown towards others, we need to confront those powers. We need to love and care for the vulnerable. We're not focusing on fixing the problem, but being present in the current moment. And we're not scheduling or limiting our grief to a particular bounds of time. Empathy requires breaking, uh, breaking the limitations of time and societal rules. It is only when we're willing to do so, we allow God to act through us and we become witnesses to the redeeming God. Friends, acknowledging the pain is hard. We have too many tools at our disposal to shut out or hide away. And the past two years have caused more pain and we have witnessed more death than our bodies and souls can take. But we can't hide the valley of dry bones anymore. Nor our friends that grieve. The pain is real, but so is God's presence. According, accounting for this pain takes time, it takes energy, more than we think we have. But don't think for a second that it is waste. Don't think for a second that God does not see you and still choose love. Don't think for a second that redemption is not possible. For even in the shadow of death, our living and active Savior shows up, chooses truth and life. Amen. Let us quiet our souls as we um, prepare to receive the gift of communion. Thanks for listening in today. And you are welcome to join us for worship, either online um, via Zoom, you can find more about that at our website, pghopendoor.net, or you can join us in person at the Neighborhood Academy um, in Garfield. You can find more about that also on our website. Our music today, at least here on the podcast, is uh, our band called This Side of Eve. You can check out their music, our music, at uh, www.thissideofeve.com Thanks a lot.